0: Hi, this is Annie Fox for Family Confidential, Secrets of Successful Parenting. My guest today is Nicole Cushman. Nicole is the Executive Director of ANSWER, a national organization based at Rutgers University, dedicated to promoting comprehensive sex education throughout the U.S. Hi, Nicole. Welcome to Family Confidential.
1: Hi, Annie.
0: Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for making the time. Um, I'm really excited about what we're going to be talking about, which is essentially middle schoolers and the sex talk, except you and I know it's more than one talk. But I was really intrigued to bump into some of the really adorable and very engaging videos at Amaze. And I thought, well, I need to talk to these people because a lot of the work that I do has to do with the social and emotional um, development of tweens. Mm-hmm. And I love that you've got not just the plumbing talk, <laughs> but also <laughs> the feelings part of it. So um, can you tell me more about how, how you develop these videos and w- knowing that it's more than just the plumbing?
1: Absolutely. Uh, so Amaze is, first of all, a partnership between three nonprofit organizations, Answer, where I work, Advocates for Youth, and Youth Tech Health. And we really came together to look at what was available for younger adolescents when it comes to sex education. So we're focusing on 10 to 14-year-olds. And we found that there just wasn't a lot of high-quality information and resources out there. And when we say high-quality, we're talking about information that's both medically accurate, age-appropriate, educational, but also that's engaging, that's fun and entertaining that young people will actually want to watch. Why do you, uh, why do
0: you think there was that lack of um,
1: information that kids would really want to watch? Yeah, it's a good question. I think, um, you know, there there are probably a number of factors. For starters, as a society, we have a lot of discomfort when talking with young people about sexuality. You and think? <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of a pervasive problem. Um, And so we've tended to try to sanitize these conversations Mm -hmm. and really focus on just the medical and the biological often excluding these social and emotional aspects that we're going to talk more about today. Mm -hmm. But I think that has led to a very sort of dry approach to the topic, something very clinical, Mm -hmm. that really ignores the issues that are most salient to young people themselves. So if you talk to young people, as we did, we started out by conducting a lot of focus groups with 10 to 14-year-olds across the country, to hear about the kinds of resources that they accessed online, the kinds of entertainment and media that they consumed and what they were really looking for in a resource. Um, Not only did we learn that there was a huge opportunity to use video and in particular animation as we did with Amaze, but we also were able to confirm that the issues that concerned young people We're not simply the biological. Yes, they have a lot of questions about their changing bodies, but they're really trying to figure out how to navigate a new landscape when their friendships are changing, Mm -hmm. when their social environment is evolving around them, and they have different thoughts, feelings desires that they need a safe place to explore
0: yeah you know it it's such a challenging time because as you say, I mean I think the the key word about ad, young adolescents is is changes your body's changing, your relationship with your peers are changing, your relationship mm-hmm. with your parents and your siblings are changing it's all changing at the same time right. and mm-hmm. and this idea of um, sexual feelings and attractions and in, in addition to the biological changes, it, it's it's so confusing. And um, the parents, well, let's just face it. I mean, it's awkward for kids to think of their parents as sexual beings who might be able to be talking to them about them. And it's it's equally awkward and um, scary, confusing for parents to think about their kids as, oh, no, are we at this stage yeah. yet? So I wanted to ask you about... Some tips that you've discovered are actually helpful when parents, I mean, look, we need to have these conversations, but they don't have to be the nail biting, oh gosh, I dread
1: this. Um, It it should be comfortable.
0: So what are your tips for making it more comfortable for parents?
1: (laughs) I think, you know, first and foremost, I would note that even though kids might clam up and, and act really awkward when parents bring these topics up. We know from decades of research that young people actually want their parents to talk to them more about these topics. Oh, we need to repeat that again. Tell me about the research. Yeah. There's lots of polling that shows when you ask teens, you know, who are the biggest influences in your life on sex and dating and relationships? They always name their parents as the number one influence and they actually say that they want to hear more from their parents about their values, about their expectations about these topics. So even when it might seem like they're not listening and they're tuning us out, they really are paying attention to whatever you say or don't say. And I think that is, you know, equally important to note that silence speaks volumes. So, they're picking up on those messages whether or not you're proactively communicating. So it's really on us as caring adults to be proactive and make sure the messages we send are the ones that we intend to. That's that's Um, that's really
0: important. I think it should be reassuring to parents so that if your kid is just sitting there like a lump, with, yeah. them, with his or her mouth closed, it's, it's right. not because they're not interested yeah. nor they because, or, or that they want you to shut up, probably just the opposite. And, yeah. and yeah. It's, it's important to know that we are influencers. I think a lot of parents feel that as their kids enter into, into fifth, sixth grade and that the peer group becomes so much more important right. and that their time as primary influencers with their kids is now <laughs>
1: over. And what I'm hearing you say is not the case. Absolutely. So how do we do it? To, to go back to your first question about tips, I, I think, you know, for starters, the earlier we can begin these conversations, the more comfortable they'll be. How early? Part of our DNA. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it starts with very young children, for instance, teaching toddlers the proper names for their body parts, including their genitals. Mm-hmm. We know that that's important not only to equip them with proper language and make them feel comfortable to sort of normalize these conversations, but it also can have protective effects. There's research showing that young children who know the names for their genitals are less likely to be targeted by sexual predators That's interesting. Uh, because they have an easier time reporting any possible abuse. Mm-hmm. So that's a way to start, you know, very young and build your, your own comfort as well as your children's comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think there are some really kind of low touch ways to initiate these conversations uh, during what we call teachable moments. Mm-hmm. So, that could be when you're watching a television show together and there are characters on the show that are dating or starting a relationship. Um, or it could be a, a topic that comes up in a song, you know, listening to the radio. Uh-huh. And parents can take advantage of those moments to say, well, what do you think about what those characters just did? Or, you know, do, do you think that they talked enough about um, their relationship before they took that next step? How, you know, how have you seen that play out with your friends? Uh, and that's an easy way to start the conversation without making it directly about your child and kind of putting them on the spot.
0: Yeah. You know, the other thing I was thinking about these teachable moments and how our kids are paying attention, maybe sometimes when we're not aware of it is the choices we make, um, in the way that we, um, the content we choose to, Mm -hmm. to um, take in um, the way we live our lives in relation to other people and the comments we make about other people's lifestyles, et cetera, et cetera. Can you say something about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, young people are like sponges and they really are picking up on all of the cues that their parents send. So uh, that could be, for instance, what, what came to mind for me when uh, when you said the comments that we make about other people. It could be that an aunt or a friend of the family is pregnant, um, getting ready to grow their family, and how you respond to that. You know, do you pass some judgment? Are you, mm-hmm. you know, uh, supportive and, and non judgmental in the way that you talk about that friend or relative? Um, It could be that some new neighbors move in and they're a same-sex couple. And do you talk about that as something completely normal? And this is, you know, another type of family that's in the neighborhood now? Um, Or do you sort of make it like gossip or there's some sort of intrigue there? Mm -hmm. That really sends a message.
0: It does send a message. You know, Nicole, I'm thinking about um, the values parents Say they want to um, instill and transmit yeah. and, and what we're actually teaching. I, I was once kind of in the green room right before going on, on stage at an educational conference and happened to look on the wall, which I think doubled as a classroom during regular hours or at least a faculty room. And, and on the wall, the, the statement was, um, if you're not teaching, if you're not modeling what you teach, you're teaching something else. Exactly. I, th- I thought that was very profound. Yeah. And even though not all teachers are parents, all parents really are teachers. And this is just an area, especially when you think about um, how from generation to generation these kinds of pieces of information and values and attitudes are passed down. Yeah. Um, my parents did not talk openly about Sex in a way that was, um, well, they, they just didn't. So, questions, the, the message I got f- from my mom silently was, I'm not comfortable in this area. Don't ask me any questions. So, you know, it's one thing when we've been taught to teach kids how to cross the street and get your elbows off the table and don't chew with your mouth open and make sure you return your library books on time. <laughs> but, but when we have not been the recipients of this kind of parental uh, teaching, I think it makes it challenging for us to know how to do it.
1: It does. We don't have a lot of good models out there to follow. And that was, you know, another reason for creating a maze. So not only did we develop this series of videos for young people to watch directly, or they could watch them with their parents or in a classroom, but we also put together a lot of supportive resources on the website, including tips for parents, conversation starters, FAQs, to really help use Amaze as that starting off point, just to get the the conversation going. You know, I
0: was uh, enjoying those videos and watching the comments, reading the comments that the kids were writing. Yeah. And I love that. Can you share a little bit about uh, the feedback,
1: direct feedback you get from the audience that you created these for? Absolutely. Yeah. It's one of the really incredible things about social media and about YouTube in particular is that it allows us to interact and have a two-way conversation with young people. And we've had a lot of really affirming comments, a lot of young people thanking us and saying, you know, oh, I can relate to this. I went through something like this last year. This happened to me too. Or, you know, asking us direct questions. I haven't gotten my period yet. I'm 14. You know, when is it going to happen for me? Mm -hmm. Uh, And we also get a lot of requests. We get young people asking for us to develop new videos on additional topics that we haven't covered yet. And that's been tremendous for our team. We're taking note of all of those comments and figuring out how that can inform the content we develop moving forward.
0: That's, that's really wonderful. Um, I, I don't know if there's any way you can answer this question, but I wonder how many kids who are watching these, um, find them on their own and their parents don't know that they're watching it, that they're using this source. Not that there's anything wrong with these videos, folks. They're great. (laughs) I would be happy for my kid to be watching these videos if he or she were 10 years old. Um, And, but, but it's, that's another wonderful part. You know, um, I started a teen website 20 years ago this month and it, you know, when you, when you're a trusted and freely accessible resource for young people, um, wow, that that's an honor. And I am so glad that people are finding you. Yeah. Um, because their parents may not be up for this. (laughs) Right.
1: Right. Or, you know, their, their kids might not have the language to ask the exact question that they right. want to ask. And yeah. if we can provide a vehicle to start that conversation, even if it, if it originates from the child, that's great, too. Um, you're right that we don't have data on, you know, who is finding us on their own without their parents' knowledge. That's not something we can track. But we do know that a lot of people are finding us through YouTube itself. YouTube is a platform that young people are going to with a lot of questions now. Uh, They might start there. They might bypass Google and go straight to YouTube. Uh, And so So you go go to YouTube and say, um, I'm 14 and I haven't gotten my period yet. Help. Sure. Wow. You could. (laughs) Uh, You know, you might not get the exact answer to your question, but you could type in things like periods and puberty or girls puberty uh, and so our goal is to design a resource that pops up first Great. when you enter those searches, because we know there's also a lot of content out there that's not appropriate yeah. for young adolescents. And we want to be able to cut through that noise and really reach people with accurate, high quality information.
0: This is awesome. I'm so glad that I've I stumbled upon you and, and these videos, because I would love to do what I can to help spread the word. This is, this is very Thank valuable. You. So we have about 30 seconds left. Nicole, if you could tell our viewers and listeners, I know it went fast, (laughs) viewers (laughs) and listeners where on the web they can actually find out more about the work that you
1: guys are doing. Absolutely. You can visit amaze.org to check out those YouTube videos. And you can also find out more about our organization, Answer, at answer.rutgers.edu. That's great.
0: Thanks again for this really important work and for taking the time to talk to us, Nicole. I really appreciate it. Thank Thank you, Annie. This is Annie Fox for Family Confidential, Secrets of Successful Parenting. To learn more about my work with tweens, teens, and parents, visit AnnieFox.com. Check out my parenting book, Teaching Kids to Be Good People, and my latest book for girls, the Girls' Q&A Book on Friendship, 50 Ways to Fix a Friendship Without the Drama. Please review our Family Confidential podcast on iTunes. Every positive review helps more people find the podcast. Family Confidential is produced by Electric Eggplant, creators of books and apps for parents, kids, tweens, and teens. This will be our last podcast for a while. I'm taking an extended break to finish working on my teen novel. While we're gone, we have 133 episodes of Family Confidential for you to enjoy and share with friends. Until next time... Happy parenting.